Well, good morning. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for worship today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to continue our sermon series through the book of Philippians. We're going to be looking at verses 27 to 30 today. So as a reminder, I'm using the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. So if you're wanting to pull up the same version on a Bible app, uh, we're reading from the CSB. And that's what will be on the screen also. I've titled my sermon, Living Worthy of the Gospel. Living worthy of the gospel. This is the passage that we're going to read today, uh, 27 through 30 from Philippians 1, that when I was in my Bible, uh, personal Bible study earlier this year, when I got to verse 27, this is the verse that, that struck me. And I thought, when I start a ministry at a church, this is the first sermon series I want to go through is the book of Philippians. The, the verse we're going to look at today is such a beautiful verse and has so much for us. And so I'm excited about uh, the message that we have today. So I'm going to read for us 27 through 30 from Philippians 1, and then I'm going to pray for us before we examine the truth of God's word. Philippians 1, starting in verse 27 Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents, This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Let's pray. Father, you are good and faithful, and your word is true. We confess that today. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts and minds, help us understand the truth of your word, and then help us respond accordingly as you would have us respond to the truth of your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The main idea of this passage is living lives worthy of the gospel. Now, Paul has demonstrated this in his own life. Uh, he, what he's introduced them to in this first part of Philippians 1 is that whatever happens in my life, my desire is to magnify Christ. I want to magnify Jesus Whether I live, whether I die, no matter what, that's my goal, that's my heart, my passion is magnifying Jesus. So Paul, in his own life, has been living a life worthy of the gospel, and now he's calling the Philippians to do the same. He's saying, I want you to live in a way that magnifies Jesus. And so the kind of main idea of that we see in verse 27 I'm just going to look at the first part here. There's so much to unpack for us in verse 27 altogether. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Just one thing. 
And then he provides them with kind of a grounding truth. And he does this here at the beginning of this short part of this letter. And he's going to remind them of some more truths at the uh, in verse 29 and 30 that are grounding them. That kind of help provide them some stability to stand up on. As he's calling them to live this way, he provides them this truth to say, yeah, hold on to this. So the truth here in verse 27 is this. You're citizens of heaven. You are citizens of heaven. So what he's going to call them to is a response to that reality. If you are in Christ, you are a citizen of heaven. This world is not your home. And he says, you're citizens of heaven. So live your life like that. Let your life be changed by the realities of what we're going to talk about, about what Jesus has done for you, is doing for you, and will do for you. Live a life worthy of that. So citizens of heaven. And to the Philippians, this would have caught their attention. This is important to them. Their citizenship was important to them. As a colony of Rome... They took great pride in their Roman citizenship that they had. They took great pride in the benefits that that citizenship provided them. And so Paul says, he takes this word that means so much to them and says, there's a citizenship that's more important than the one that you hold so dear. You're a citizen of heaven. So live your life changed by that reality. So now he gives them their instruction, their one thing to pursue, right? Just one thing. Some of your translations, if you're looking at something else, it may say only. It's just only this. This is the only thing I want for you in your life. Now that only thing is actually an all-encompassing truth for the Christian life. It's an all-encompassing command. There's a whole lot more than just one thing implied there. Because he's saying your entire life should be transformed. Your entire life should be changed because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Live your life. His one thing for them. Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So a reminder, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus, the Son of God came and lived a perfectly obedient life. The life that we're called to, the life that we should have lived, but didn't. Jesus came and lived the perfectly obedient life and then took the death that we deserved on the cross and then was buried and rose again on the third day. And if we come to him in faith, then we will be adopted as children of God. We will have the life that Christ deserves. And so Paul says, live your life worthy of that. Live your life worthy of the one who died for you so that you could live. Now it's important that we understand he's not saying live in a way that you deserve it. Right? We can't deserve it. We will never earn it. We will never deserve what Jesus has done for us. So when he says live your life worthy of of that, he is saying, live your life in a way that demonstrates Jesus is worth it all. I have a friend, Jared Wilson. He uh, 
he tweeted this this week, and I thought this is this is perfect. He said, "The gospel is worthy of living like it's true." The gospel is worthy of living like it's true. Our lives should be shaped by what Jesus has done for us. And, and it's, he is worthy of us living a way that shows he's worth it all. Jesus spoke about this in his own ministry. Uh, he told the parable of the man finding a treasure in a field. And he buries it again and goes and joyfully sells everything in his life so that he can purchase that field and have the greater treasure. And that's the reality for us when we come to Christ. Christ is worth it all. Jesus is worth it all. We can give up everything in this life for the truer and better treasure, the supreme treasure, Jesus himself. And so when Paul says, live your life worthy of the gospel, he's saying, live a life that shows Jesus is worth it. He's worth losing everything for because he is so precious. So Paul says, that's the one thing I have for you. Live this way. Live a life that's transformed by this. So to live worthy of the gospel is living in a way that demonstrates to the world Jesus is worth it. Now, as we work our way through these verses here in 27 through 30, we're going to see uh, some of the characteristics of what it looks like to live worthy of the gospel. And we're going to see some grounding truths. We already saw one of them. Citizens of heaven. That's our reality. Since we are citizens of heaven, that should change how we live. And then when we get to verse 29 and 30, we'll see some more grounding truths here that says as, as you're called to this life, Remember these realities to help you as you as you face this. The first thing I want us to look at from this text is this living worthy of the gospel requires consistency in following Jesus. Living worthy of the gospel requires consistency in following Jesus. Let's look at 27 again. The first kind of two parts of that verse. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you. Paul says, I want you to live a consistent life. Now, he's already told them in the passage we looked at last week. He said, I believe it's more necessary for me to continue on in this life. And since that's the reality, I believe that I will come and see you again. I will be able to see you and encourage you in your faith and cause you to boast even more in Jesus Christ. So Paul has told them, I'm planning to see you. But what he tells them here is, regardless of whether I'm there or whether I'm not, I want your life to be changed because of what Jesus has done for you. I don't want you to live a life that's, that shows that you treasure Jesus just when I'm around. I want you to treasure Jesus in every area of your life, whether, you're, whether I'm with you or not. 
The last couple weeks, I've seen multiple people share this video online. It's just a funny video that kind of captures the opposite of what Paul's talking about here. So there's these three teenagers sitting in their living room, all playing on their phones. And you hear a car pull up and the door shut. And they go into panic mode because their house is a complete wreck. And so they go into this acrobatic uh, event of cleaning. It's a whirlwind. And so if you haven't seen it, you should look it up. It's really funny. So they're, they're doing these acrobatic moves of like vacuuming the floor, picking up the trash, taking the garbage out, cleaning up the clothes, doing the laundry all before mom gets inside the door and they like diving out windows and then coming back in and sitting down as mom walks in the door and says, Hey boys, I'm home. And they're like, hi mom. So they have not lived consistent with what mom would have expected. And they have to go into this panic mode because now mom is home and we've got to get it looking like we've been living like we should have. Paul says, look, I don't want you to live in a way that is not consistent with your faith. So whether I'm with you or not, I want you to live consistently changed lives, lives that show that you truly do treasure Jesus. And so for us, the reality is we are all tempted to live in ways that demonstrate Jesus is worth it when certain people are around. And then we're tempted to live in ways that that's not how our lives look when other people are around. So it may be your parents. It may be your pastor or an elder at the church or somebody else. If they're near you, then you're going to live a certain way, act a certain way, and then be tempted when they're no longer around. Either when you're by yourself or when you're with a certain group of people, you may act a different way. That's a reality for all of our hearts to live in a way that's not consistent in our following Jesus. And Christ, des- Christ deserves faithfulness in all of our lives. Consistently following Jesus. Jesus said that you can't serve two masters. It's not possible for you to have two masters. You will end up hating one while you love the other. And so he uses the the statement, you can't love God or you can't serve God and money. But that truth applies to everything. We cannot treasure Christ and serve Christ with all of our lives, but also have other things that we're treasuring and serving. It won't work. And so Paul says here in Philippians, live your lives worthy of the gospel of Christ, regardless of whether I'm with you or not. I want to hear that you are treasuring Jesus and you're living a life changed because of what Jesus has done for you. So for us this week, I want us to remember Jesus deserves consistency in our walk with him. Jesus deserves consistency in our walk with him. And our, our hearts are tempted to give him just a portion of our lives. We'll give him Sunday. We might give him Wednesday. We might give him sprinkled times throughout the week. But then the rest of the week we view as our time. And we, we put other things first all week long. But Jesus deserves consistency. So let us pray each morning 
God, I want to be faithful today. Help me be faithful today in everything that I do, whether it's how I parent, whether it's how I interact with people at work, how I interact with my, with my spouse. Help me be faithful in serving Jesus today. And then areas where you're tempted to not serve Christ faithfully, would you share with a brother or sister in Christ that could be your spouse, that could be a friend, that could be a pastor or an elder of the church, just say, look, being honest, this is an area where I struggle. I can, I can give Jesus a whole lot, but this area, I'm tempted to not give this to Jesus and invite them to help hold you accountable in those areas. Invite them to speak to you about those areas and check in on you about those areas. We need that because we are all tempted to give him a portion of our lives and hold back other things. So Jesus deserves consistency in our walk. And that's what Paul is talking about. Living worthy of the gospel requires consistency in following Jesus. The second thing from this text is this. Living worthy of the gospel requires unity in gospel mission. Living worthy of the gospel requires unity in gospel mission. Let's look at the next part of verse 27. So he said, I, I, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. That you're standing firm. This is a military term. It's, it gives the image of a soldier standing his ground unwilling to budge, unwilling to retreat from the field of battle, standing firm in one spirit and in one accord. So he's not talking about doing this on your own. He's saying together as a body of believers, as Christians, stand your ground, united with one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. If you, if we are in Christ, every one of us in Christ has the spirit indwelling us. And so whatever we are facing, Paul is saying, face it united together with the spirit holding you together and strengthening you to stand your ground. The next word that he uses is an athletic term, contending or um, striving for. Contending is an athletic term. It's the idea of a team of athletes working together, everybody playing their part in order to achieve success in their event. Contending for the faith of the gospel. So he's saying we can do more when we are united together in gospel mission. We can do more than when we are doing this on our own. I was reminded this week of uh, a scene from a nature show that we've seen, North America. And in the section on the southwest, there is a bird of prey called the, the Harris Hawks. The Harris hawk is the one bird of prey that is learned. They are more successful in hunting when they work together. Every other bird of prey hunts alone. 
But the Harris hawks work together because there's not much food. And so they send out the juvenile birds to walk amongst the cactus and the brush to flush out the, uh, the food that is there. And then the adults sit atop the cactus and one will drive the, whatever it is, if it's a rabbit or mouse or whatever, they'll drive it towards the other and then the last adult swoops in and captures the, uh, the meal for the day. And then they, the entire family is fed from that. They've learned that working together and everybody serving in their role, doing their part, they can have more success in their mission. Not going at it alone. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, you need to be united together in gospel mission. You will have more success. God will use you in greater ways when you are united in gospel mission. And that's what they're striving towards, is contend together for the faith of the gospel. Stand firm in the faith of the gospel. He wants them to do this as one One body, one accord, one spirit. We aren't meant to do the Christian life alone. We aren't. We need each other. We need each other for strength. We need each other for encouragement. We need each other to point us back to Jesus when we're tempted to sin. We need one another to help as we're taking the good news out to the lost. We're not meant to do it alone. And of course, our temptations concerning this are either one, to go at the Christian life alone and not really connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ and think, I'll be able to live this life out on my own because we love the idea of the rugged individualist. We love the idea of someone who pulls themselves up by their own bootstraps. That's not what the Christian life is supposed to look like. We are meant to be united with one purpose, to advance the good news of the gospel of Christ. Or, of course, the other temptation we have is not to, we unite together, but we unite together for the wrong purposes. We get united together easily for political purposes. We get united together easily for entertainment purposes. And we'll say, these things bring us together and we have great joy in this. That's not what the church is for. The church is meant to be united on gospel mission. United taking the good news of the gospel of Jesus out to the lost world. So for us, let's be united. This week, let's commit to being united to one another in gospel mission. And that, that is played out in multiple areas of our lives. How we give to the church and the ministries that are going on in the church. How we serve in the church and, and the connections that we build here at church that can be used to take the good news out. Your faithful giving to Dogwood Church, is one of the ways that you can unite together in gospel mission. It helps fund the work that is happening here and the work that we are, that we are doing in other places. So faithful giving is a way that you can unite together. Finding a place to serve, we have all been gifted 
by the Holy Spirit. And we should use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. And if you think, well, I don't know where I fit, just speak with the leaders. We have lots of ways that you can serve. Today, after church, Cody and Megan are going to be having a, a meeting for volunteers for the kids' ministry. There's huge needs in the kids' ministry. So that may be an area that you could get plugged in, but that's not the only one. We have lots of ways that we could serve. That is, serving in your church is a way to unite together on gospel mission. And then I want us to build genuine relationships here that we then use when we are out in the world so that together with a brother or sister that we treasure from dogwood, then we can be using that relationship to speak into the lives of people in our, in our life, whether that's family members or friends or coworkers. We can together work at pointing these individuals to Jesus, not doing it on our own. So... Living worthy of the gospel requires unity in gospel mission. Lastly, living worthy of the gospel requires boldness in the face of opposition. Living worthy of the gospel requires boldness in the face of opposition. Let's look at verses 28 and 30 back in Philippians 1. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Paul says, I don't want you to be afraid in the face of opposition. And when you face opponents, I don't want you to fear. The, the word there, it's a, an odd word in Greek. It's actually only used one other time that they found in Greek literature. And it's used in a sense of like causing a group of horses to panic and scatter. And so Paul uses this word to say, like, I don't want you to be crippled and like and terrified to where you can't stay focused on what God has for you. Don't be afraid of your opponents. They have opponents. Paul knows this. Paul has received word about things that are going on in Philippi. But remember, Paul started the church in Philippi. He, in Acts 16, Paul went to Macedonia. They end up in Philippi, the largest city of the region, and they preach the gospel. And very quickly, they are beaten in public, and they are arrested and put in jail. Paul knows that they have opponents there. He has experienced them personally, and then he knows, he's heard word that they are facing opposition. And he says, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to fear and panic when opposition comes. And then he says, God's using this as a sign. He's using it as a sign of their destruction. When we stand firm and continue to defend the truth of the gospel in the face of opposition, it's a sign to those people that they will be destroyed. They will not be victorious. 
So he says it's a sign of the opponent's destruction. And then it's a sign also of your salvation. Now, it doesn't mean that they've earned their salvation. He's not saying you're saved because you stood firm. He's just saying the fact that you're standing firm in opposition is God showing you, you really are one of my children. You really have believed. And that's what assurance is, is God reminding us, you're mine. You've been standing firm in the face of opposition. You're my child. And I want you to know that. And so that is an encouragement for the individuals who are facing opposition. Paul says, this is God reminding you, you really are his child. Then in verse 29 to 30, we have some more of those grounding truths that I told you about. In verse 29, we see this. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It's been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe, but to also suffer. We like the first part. That sounds nice. He loved me enough to cause me to believe in Jesus. We don't love the sound of the second part. That it has been given to us, granted to us from God that we would suffer for Christ Jesus. That doesn't sound as nice. We want a nice, easy, smooth life. And so we are terrified of opposition, especially concerning our faith. And if, you, if I'm being honest, I'm terrified of opposition concerning my faith. I'm terrified of just perceived opposition. We do not face persecution like believers around the world face. And I know there's lots of discussion about maybe that's coming here. We don't face persecution like lots of believers do and like believers have. But I still fear. I don't want someone to dislike me. I don't want someone to think I'm strange. And so sometimes I will hold back because I don't want someone to think odd of me. I don't want someone to cut me out of, out of their life. Maybe that's a temptation that you have. So we, we feel like, well, maybe if I'm just really nice... One day they'll ask me about Jesus. Paul says we don't have to be afraid. We will face opposition if we are boldly standing for Jesus. If we are working together to advance the gospel, we will face opposition. And it's okay. It is a gift from God. It's something that God is in control of. That's the grounding truth. God is in control of this. He has given you that, and so you can stand in it. And so it's not outside of God's control. That's important for us when we consider that we may face opposition, or if we are actually facing opposition for defending the gospel to the lost, we can stand firm in the reality that God's in control. And then verse 30, we see another grounding truth. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that I saw, that, or that you saw I had, and now hear 
that I have. Paul's reminding them, you're not in this alone. This is common. For believers of Jesus, it is common for you to face opposition when you defend the gospel. He says, remember when I was with you. You saw what happened to me. Many of them would have seen him beaten in the streets of the city. They saw him put in jail. He says, you know that that's, this is common to people when they are defending the gospel. And so don't worry about it. It's not uncommon that you're experiencing this. And that's helpful for us when we consider the, you know, when we're afraid of what might happen to remember this is a common thing for believers in Christ. And we will be okay. God will see us through. We need boldness no matter what we may face. I was reminded thinking about boldness for the gospel in face of opposition And I thought of this passage, and there are several in the book of Acts, but I thought of this passage from Acts. Acts 4, Peter and John have been arrested. And the religious leaders decide, let's threaten them and tell them, you have to stop. You cannot continue talking about Jesus anymore. And maybe that will shut them up. And so they come to them And we see this encounter in Acts 4 and verse 18. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then look at verse 19. Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Boldness. In the face of opposition, they've been threatened. It's going to get a lot worse, Peter and John, if you keep talking about this guy, Jesus. Whatever you decide, we don't care. We cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard boldness in the face of opposition. And then they go on later in the chapter when they are finally released. They go on and they pray for more boldness. God, would you strengthen us so that we will declare the truth of your word even more boldly. Boldness in the face of opposition, no matter what they face. So for us, let us be a people that will pray for boldness in our lives And in our walk with Jesus, let's pray for boldness as we pursue gospel mission here at Dogwood and in our individual lives. Whether it's real opposition or perceived opposition, let us say, God, help me today, not fear. Let me be bold in what you're calling me to do. No matter what consequences may come. So church, consider the price that was paid so that you could have life. In order to redeem you, Jesus Christ laid down his own life, taking the punishment that we deserved so that if we would just come to him in faith, we would have the life that he deserves. Consider that reality And then let's commit to being faithful in our walk with Jesus. 
in all areas of our lives and in the life of this church. Let's commit to faithfully following Christ. Let's commit to uniting together as one body, committed to advancing the gospel. And let's remember that Jesus has given us boldness to do that. Let's commit together to live lives worthy of the gospel of Christ because Jesus is worth it. Let's pray. Father, you are good and you are always faithful to us. I pray that you will strengthen us today. I pray that we will live lives worthy of the gospel of Christ. Live lives that demonstrate that Jesus truly is worth it and that we will join together and commit to advancing the gospel to people in our lives, to people in this community and around the world for Christ's glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.